You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Thanks for downloading this week's Attacking Scrum podcast. We'll treat for you this week. The, uh, the founding father of the podcast, Dan Killick, makes a, a long-awaited return. First time I've seen him face-to-face for a very long time, so that was great to catch up with Dan. And we also, this morning, spoke with Warren Gatland, which is, yeah, one of those uh, interviews that we have been you know, dying to secure for a, for a very long time. So uh, that was massively exciting. That's going to come out later in the week. I'm actually going to put out on Wednesday. Ignore the part in this podcast where I say it's going to come out on Thursday. It's going to come out Wednesday this week. And just to make sure that you don't miss out whenever it comes out, it will be Wednesday, but just to make sure you don't miss out, be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcasts. So that is coming out later in this week. Uh, there's a little clip of that coming up at the end of me waffling here, so you can have a little uh, a little preview into what that's going to be like. But we were hugely excited to do that and uh, yeah, and, and speak with him. So we spent a bit of time in this podcast uh, just kind of talking what that experience was like, and we also look back at the Cardiff versus Dragons game. We uh, also look at the other the other games from this weekend. Scarlet's getting a win against Zebra and a draw for the Ospreys. So uh, yeah, all of that. And then we look at the mess that is uh, that is kind of club rugby in England at the moment and look at what the potential ramifications for that might be for the Welsh sides in the long run. So a bit of me and Dan kind of, uh, what's the word? I don't know. Yeah, Have it, Having a little wonder and, and thinking about what some potential solutions to that might be. But yeah, we, uh, we certainly enjoyed kind of doing that, even though it's uh, yeah, a, a very strange situation. And finally, we looked ahead to Wayne Pivak naming his squad and some of the players that we'd like to see in there. So yeah, great to have Dan back on the pod. And uh, yeah, big yeah, big thanks to him for doing that. And thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks for the feedback on the Scott Otten episode as well. That was great. Uh, really nice to hear uh, those positive comments that, uh, that people have messaged me. And if you haven't had a chance to listen to that one, go back and, and have a listen now. Because uh, yeah, it was really fascinating to chat to Scott about how difficult he's found life post retiring and the kind of mental journey that he's been on at, at, 
at various stages after after retiring and, and luckily he's in a, in a really good place now which we're really happy about so yeah if you haven't had a chance to listen to that one go back and have a listen and uh, as I say the Warren Gatlin one is coming out on Wednesday There's a couple of things that I, I found a challenge in Wales um, over the time that, that I was there. I know that the the regions are always talking about the amount of money that you know they will make a massive difference. And I'll, I'll give you an example. I said in Wales, and I was there. We were spending five million pound on foreign players. You know, about 30, 30 odd players. And and my argument to them was that. Um, you know, we end up spending money in, in, on journeymen from the Southern Hemisphere who played some Super Rugby, and we're stopping potentially the the development of some youngsters in our regions and who don't get a chance because we're we're playing 27, 28 year olds. You walk away from a guy. I'm not going to do this again. It's it's, it's too tough. It's. Uh, yeah, the criticism, the, the challenges, but then you you reflect back and go, just how magnificent the Lions is as a as a concept. You're down to 14 men after 17 minutes and, and playing international, and and we hung in there, you know, just kept there. And Mike Phillips has scored a great try. Steve Stephen Jones is probably a kick. He, he should have kicked. I look back on that and think, you know, has he rushed that a little bit? Um, you know, not, not picking the conversion and then, um, you know, right on full time, we have another chance and Lee Halfpenny's kick just drops under the bar. So, Welcome to this week's Attacking Scrum podcast. A very special guest for you this week. None other than the Gavin Henson of Welsh Rugby Podcasts. We've dragged him out of his, uh, dragged him out of his office kicking and screaming, taking time away from uh, selling houses to the rich and famous. Daniel Killick is back. How are you, Dan? Really good, yeah. It's been a long time since, well, since I've been back on, but also back at your home. Exactly, yes. Yeah, the first time we've done a face-to-face podcast in close to three years. And it feels good. It does feel good. It does feel good. And obviously, you know, you don't get out of bed for, uh, you don't get out of bed for, less than the big bucks do you but the lure of interviewing Warren Gatland was what what managed to tempt you back into into doing a face-to-face this week how uh, how did you find that this morning interviewing the, the big man yeah I'm not gonna lie it was I was pretty nervous um on the drive down to your house just thinking what is Warren Gatland going to be like and also how have we got Warren Gatland <laughs> coming on the podcast because he doesn't do he doesn't do podcasts. Doesn't do much he's media, not, does he? No, it's not. He's not. Uh, he's not well known for that. So, yeah, it was uh, pretty nerve wracking, and and it started off, didn't it? I mean, to say it was nerve wracking, I thought I had the audio. <laughs> so, as every long term listener knows, I have a habit of cocking up the audio, particularly when we have an interesting guest on. But I thought it was sorted this time, and within a second of him being on, I was like, "That's echoey, isn't it?" Like, yep. And then I spent whatever it was, like what felt like an age. It did feel like, yeah, it felt like about an hour. <laughs> it was, in actual fact, I think it was about 90 seconds trying to rejig the, uh, rejig the audio setup. Meanwhile, you said nothing. 
Yeah, I just I looked, sat there gurning at him. I did. I looked at him and thought, do I make small talk here, or do I just do I just remain silent? And I went, I went with the silence. But it was it was a lot. It felt long, didn't it? And I was thinking, Jed, come on, get this microphone going. And then you drop you drop something at one point, and I all I was thinking was what is Gat, what is Gatland thinking? I know. Um, but yeah, uh, so an interesting an interesting start. But it was he, great, wasn't it? It was. Yeah, he was he was so good, wasn't he? Really, really great, great value. Yeah, loved it. Still, still sort of bouncing now, really, from it, aren't we? Yeah, I feel like the kind of adrenaline has has drained out of me a bit, which is why I thought we'd we'd relive a bit of that interview first before we start talking about the Dragons' defeat at Cardiff. Uh, all of this to come, listeners. Of course, we'll be having a roundup from the uh, from the whatever we're called now, the BTK UFC, and uh, we'll be looking at that. We'll also have a look at the state of club rugby as a whole, which, when you look on the English side of the bridge, has taken another turn for the worse. So, uh, keen to get your thoughts on that, Dan, as well. Um, but of course, if you are gonna, uh, if you are looking for the Warren Gatland interview, that will be out on Thursday this week. So make sure you have a listen. Really enjoyed chatting to him, and uh, he was in very honest form, wasn't he? There was kind of no holding back, I would say. Yeah, it was. A, couldn't have been better, could it? He was really honest and open and frank with his with his answers. You got a good feel as well for the the real Warren Gatland, I suppose. I which think he, so. I think he was keen to get that get that across, wasn't he? That there's a different there's a different side to him, and also I guess that'll be that'll be coming out more, won't it, on that tour. He, yeah. met, he, he said that and he's keen to get that across with a load of tails so yeah it's um, it's a really good listen it is yeah so yeah that'll be out later in the week and if you want to get tickets to the tour uh, you can do that by going to our Twitter page and there is a, a link on there to all four of the venues if you fancy seeing an evening with Warren Gatland in Cardiff Swansea Llandudno or Aberystwyth right then Daniel on to this week's matters uh, shall we start with the uh, with Cardiff Dragons, my side losing to the side that you secretly support. <laughs> Murph side. Well, I don't even know that Murph does actually. I may, maybe now they're called Cardiff again. Murph, Murph yeah. side is the Wanderers, mate. Murph side yeah, is the Wanderers yeah, right. above everything. Yeah. But uh, yeah, what did you make of that? Let's start as a as a spectacle. How did you find that one as an East Wales derby? I quite enjoyed the game. But I say quite. It's mm. it, it it was lacking. I think it was lacking in quality, really. It was, if I, wasn't it? Yeah, if I'm honest. Um, I thought there was some good sort of, you know, some good, there was some good bits in part, but it was so bitty. It was very stop-start. Uh, you know, it was an okay crowd, wasn't there? But still, I think it was lacking, lacking off the field and lacking on the field, really. It was um, a bit of a sort of, uh, a bit of a turgid affair, really. Yeah, Turge is probably about right, actually. I think it was two sides who were have been struggling in terms of building any kind of consistency. Both have had good wins against Munster and otherwise have not had a huge amount to a huge amount to cheer. Dragons came close against the the Sharks at home. But it kind of showed, you know, I think a disappointing result for both of them last week. And it was again a bit of a, a cagey affair. I just feel like that was a missed opportunity for the Dragons, looking at it with my you know, my one-eyed dragon perspective, I would say that's a missed opportunity because Cardiff have been low on confidence, low on form. Yes, there's quality in their side and we'll talk about Thomas Young and Falatau and 
those those players who really kind of shone. But I really kind of think it was a missed opportunity. And it just, you know, there, there were chances. They got themselves back in the game. And then that period in the second half where we're kind of all over them, really, for 20 minutes. And that really made the wind, well, should have made the wind count. Made it count in terms of territory. Just don't look clinical when it comes to scoring tries. And when you can see three tries in the first half, you're always going to you're always going to be struggling. Yeah, I agree. For first half, first half made it too difficult for the Dragons to the game. The game had essentially moved away from them, hadn't mm. it? Made moved away from you boys. But I, I expected more from the Dragons. I thought it would be a real stern test for for Cardiff, and it it just it, it wasn't really. There wasn't there wasn't enough from from the Dragons. I think. You know, that could have that could have been a game and probably should have been a game where your boys could have won and got that 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 elusive win which hasn't come yeah for, for, for you know for and I look at that pack and think that you know and there were lots of really good individual performances by the dragons in the pack I thought uh Roberts Bradley Roberts I will get his name right rather than calling Brendan, Brendan. Rogers yeah. <laughs> I always fantastic real ball of energy game. had a really good game Rollins was brilliant again. Uh, Sayuli was, yeah. you know, putting Bring a massive shift around the loose. So, you know, there was there was lots of that, and I just think that, that this pack is a is a pack that should be competing with the likes of Cardiff and and, and giving us a platform to, to go and win these games. So, definitely a missed opportunity as far as I'm concerned. Who shone in the in the in the blue and black for you? This is what you missed about this podcast, and that you love you love highlighting the players who I put do. in a big shift. Yeah, I really do. I think that Youngs was in the back row was excellent really really good I was so impressed actually with him I think that he kept he kept Cardiff ticking did some really clever stuff um, clever stuff off the ball he was slowing things up he was he was the difference the real difference for me and I think honestly without him I think it would have been a very very different very different scoreline so mighty impressed with, with him I thought you know Turnbull, as always, mm. gets he just gets through so much work, yeah. doesn't he? Such you know all the donkey work, and he's almost two players out there. Um, it's never the flashy stuff, as always, is it? But just so so consistent. Josh Adams took his try really well. Yeah. Um, question marks over the defense. Generous defending, I would say. But yeah, but I mean, we know killer he, instinct. Yeah, he's like he is like a shark, isn't he? Like he. Smells a, a sniff of a sniff of weakness, and he, he goes through it. Yeah, and and um, the big man in the front row had some bulldozing runs, which yeah, it just shows how hard he is to stop picking picking those angles, and that's what we want to see from Carrie, isn't it? Absolutely. He's 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 so difficult to stop, and he looks he looks hungry. You know, he's looking fitter. And there's still more to come. I think there's still he's probably still at sort of eighty eighty percent. I feel the the difficulty is I find when you're gauging performances on the Welsh derbies is that sometimes that quality is that bit lower, like we we're saying. And I think now it's important that he gets you know he gets a couple of decent performances in for for Cardiff. I expect him to be in the autumn squad, and we're going to talk about that squad on this on this pod. You know, a few players who you'd like to see in there. I think it's next week. Pivac announces that. So expect to see him in there, but again, it'd just be great to see him build some some form and it, you know putting in a big performance um, yesterday will no doubt help. But if he can kind of continue to build on that, because he's he's at that interesting stage in his career now, and he's not the bright young prospect anymore. He's a player with quite a few international caps to his name, and 
and one that you want to see kick on and, and really be you know a, a bit of a household name when it comes to international rugby yeah it is it's, it's huge huge two years for him really now isn't it um and yeah I, I just think we've got to see more from him and and you know consistency with that. i suppose him being picked as well is is going to be a part of it yeah keep his keep his fitness he's definitely a talent he's got a point of difference isn't he and yeah let's hope that we can we can really see that now don't we yeah, absolutely. And one thing that I found frustrating in the game, and again, this is, you know, I've got Murph's, Murph's got the week off to stop ranting about referees, but regardless of kind of individual decisions, it was another stop-start affair and like stuff like that, Rodri Williams sin villain, like it's so unlucky. And I can't, if that had been made in real time, I would have less of a concern with it. But to flag it back for that, it just feels like we're back in this stop start over to the video referee for the you know these minor infringements and it just it sucks the life out of it it sucks the life and the and the tempo and the atmosphere out of a game i'm not saying that you know you should let all decisions go but i still think we've got to find a better way of making making the the tmo interventions less intrusive yeah we have yeah the game when the game is struggling a little to be as a spectacle yeah these things, these things have to be have to be looked at, and they can, yeah, they really they really slow things up, don't they? And hey, or they almost ruin. They almost you, you can make or you can make a game or break a game, can't you? With those with those decisions, that's how fine it is. Mm. And a lot of the time, they get they get they getting it wrong. Spectacles almost almost gone then with it. Yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. Just having a look at some of the other some of the other results from the weekend. 16 all draw I think it was 16 all for uh, for the Ospreys who seem to be becoming a bit it's like a bit of a recurring theme two draws out of their first whatever it is four or five games um, they to me feel like it's weird saying this but obviously the Stormers are a tough side they're the current defending champions how does that feel as a result do you think kind of getting you know six, 16 all it feels like again is that a missed opportunity or is that one where they were looking at it in you know in in the in the sessions on Monday and saying actually we'll look back at that one as a good result. They're a, they're a very tough side, aren't they? And I think it's not a bad result, but you've got to be looking at there has to be a win, doesn't it? it? It's it's at home. You've got to be looking at getting a getting getting a win there. I feel so. Looking back at the looking back at the tapes on Monday, I don't think they'll be ultimately too disappointed. But I think almost you've got to be really. Mm. What's your take on it? Yeah, I think it is again to you know without dwelling on refereeing too much. Some dubious decisions in there, and yeah, uh, referee. I don't know who he reminds me. He looks like he should just be like a bit of a, a bad guy in a Disney film. He looks like you know some kind of evil prince. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I felt like they had a few a few bum calls in the in the first half. But anyway, that aside. I think when you look back at the end of the season, they'll probably go, you know, that's not a, that's not a bad result. Stormers, I think, had won all of their games up until this point, so actually, it's it's not bad. Mm. I guess I, maybe, yeah. oh, I was, maybe because there's because there's a, 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 a game or two earlier on which the Ospreys should have won. Yes. It makes this game, yeah, that's probably probably a bit unfair. It, it's a good result, but yeah, the the win should have come a couple of games. Yeah, a, a couple of games if earlier. They'd have beaten the Scarlets on the first day of the yeah. season, and. You know, put that one to bed. I think they would be looking back, and if they'd have beaten, um, uh, if they'd beaten the, the Lions at home yes, as well, which games which were they they had won really, I think they'd be looking back at this going right, fine, yeah, 
a draw against the defending champions. Tough side, that's not bad going. However, what I am interested to see, I still to me, they still look like they've got the the ingredients, if you like, to to be the most competitive side. So I think it's all about what happens now. You know, still looking at they've got mean pack, they're starting to score, they're starting to click a little bit more behind the scrum. Tough night in Swansea on Friday night. It was absolutely lashing it down and Myler at ten naturally played a, a much more kicking game than you'd expect from from Anscombe or Walsh when they're in there. So do you think things will start to click for the Ospreys? And I'm just really intrigued to see how they go in Europe later on in the season because I think that would be a massive boost. How long has it been since we've had a Welsh side have a you know have a good crack at Europe? We all kind of enjoyed the the Cardiff dirty dozen you know players coming from here, there, and everywhere last last December, but we've not we've not had a meaningful run in in Europe. Um, Certainly not in the Heineken Cup for a very long time. Yeah, that'd be really exciting to see to see one of the Welsh sides go well, go well in Europe, wouldn't it? And I think the Ospreys. I'm excited to see what they can do. They mm. do seem to be building something, build building something. It hasn't fully clicked yet, is it? The backs are starting to play with a bit more. There's there's more coming from ambition, them, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, more yeah, more yeah, it is more ambition. They're starting to click a little bit more. They're trying different things. I think that's that's a big part. And if you're trying things, things will eventually um they'll eventually happen, won't they? They're not afraid to I guess at the moment what they're trying isn't quite coming off. You know, you've got you've got one in four things are coming off, but that'll that'll change because they're changing the style. And the pack look pack's hard, isn't it? It's a hard, gnarly, mm. gnarly pack. I think that can go up a level as well, and they can scrummage well. Yeah. And if you can scrummage well, you've got you've got you've, you've got you've then got a chance. And the line out, you know, the line out can get better, um, but they've got a line out that can function. So yeah. they've got they've got the ingredients to go well, haven't they? Yeah, I think so. And and you're absolutely right with the the set piece. You know, it just it just gives you that foundation, doesn't it? And I thought to go back to some of those references, I thought I thought the ref gave the Stormers a bit of a a bit of a way out in the first half uh, on the on the mm. scrummage in front. Not that I'm in any way an expert about these things, but definitely other games you'd have seen that you'd have seen the Ospreys getting penalties, and towards the end of the half that started that started to change. So I think they'll you know those things will hold you will will serve you well if you've got a gnarly pack and a good set piece. The rest you can you can kind of build on. So while it's been a bit of a stuttering start for the Ospreys, I do think there's something that they can they can work with as we go into the deeper into the season. Scarlet's got their first win of the year with um, a win over Zebra. Full disclosure, haven't seen this game. Uh, didn't, have, didn't have time to catch this one before we recorded. And, I mean, it's a game you'd expect them to win at home to Zebra. Zebra, are, you know, by far and away the weakest side in the league. And what have you made of, of the Scarlet's start to the season, Dan? You know, it must be... You'd have you'd have felt there was perhaps a bit more optimism around the around the camp going into the season. What have you made of, of them to date? Yeah, I think going into the going into the season there was definite optimism, and then when the season started, it's just it's just faded faded mm. away, isn't it? And it's been a really tough a tough um, tough start for the for the for the Scarlets. It, nothing seems to be going going well for them, but that game. On the weekend, they they had to get a win. It, they're tricky games because everyone expects you to win. So even though the Scarlets have gone, you know, have gone really poorly, you ask anybody, and they said, "Yeah, that that's that's going to be our first win there." Yeah. And sometimes that pressure is like, "Oh, you know, it's really on now." We everyone expects us to win, so it just had to happen. They got the win, and 
hopefully now that can be the catalyst to 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 kick start and take a you know take a little bit of that pressure off because it's when the pressure comes on that's when it's even more it's even harder for them to play they've got they've got a good they've got a good side yeah they should be playing better than they are you're also on a bit of a hiding to nothing with a side like Zebra on you it's like when Wales play you know San Marino or something in the in the qualifiers where if you win 9-0 it's oh well it's only San Marino and if you beat them 3-0 because they parked 11 men behind the ball the whole game it's it's seen as a disappointment so I don't know that it's perhaps a, a result that's that's going to live long in the memory like you say it's all about what happens from from here on in yeah yeah it does I think half penny half penny's going to be going to be key key for the the scarlets I feel 15 minutes back on the pod Dan and it's uh, I'm surprised it's taken you this long to bring up your hero Lee it's, it's, it's like going back in time isn't it he's he's just so good defensively the, the reads yeah look you know everyone knows what I'm going to say about him but he's such a valuable player still you know forget about what he's going to offer in attack for me there's enough there's enough attack attackers in that back line he can still do something as well on that front but from a defensive perspective you won't get a better 15 out there still so he's he's the key man for me to to that to that scarlet side Oh, nice to see you. you've tried a bit of new material, Dan. You're dusting out the greatest hits now. It's like uh, it's like Noel Gallagher That's starting it. to play Wonderwall or something in there. It's like <laughs> here, we, here we go, ball back, yeah. ball back on that. Yeah, keen to get your thoughts on uh, on the players you'd like to see in Pivac's squad next week, and also we're going to chat about the. Well, I mentioned stuff. one of them just then. Wow, exactly. There's plenty, plenty more of this to come, and we're also going to talk about the the state of, of club rugby in England and potentially if there are any knock on effects for for what that might mean in Wales as well. We're going to do all of that after this very quick break. Right, Dan, part two, here we go. Um, what do you want to tackle first? The existential crisis that is club rugby in the Northern Hemisphere? Or Ooh, do you want to talk... That's heavy. <laughs> or, do you want to talk... or do you want to talk about Do you want to talk about the squads first? Yeah. Let's take the uh, the state of the game, shall we, in over the bridge? Yeah. Um, wow. So, obviously, there's the, the news that we had last week of, of Worcester, uh, you know, being suspended, relegated, uh, gone into administration. Wasps, similar fate likely to, likely to happen to them this coming week as well. What do you think this is, this is kind of going to, what are we going to end up with? In England, you know, there's there's really serious talks about ten man Premiership being sorry ten team Premiership being the solution, and it's kind of hard to look past that right now. The other the other mad story this week is in the I think it was in the Daily Mail the London Irish uh, London Irish owner saying that he'd be happy for someone just to take the club off his hands. You know, someone who could deal with the who could take the funding. You know, who could fund it properly, not worried about selling the club. They could have it for a pound. We're in we're in mad mad times right now. What is the way out? Do you think? Well, I think that that story coming out there with London Irish, but there could be more. Yeah, that's that's the worry. Would we be surprised if we Absolutely if not. we saw if we saw more clubs coming forward with something like that? We wouldn't, and that's that's the biggest worry, isn't it? We I remember when we first when we first started this pod, and we looked back at the the financials. Yeah, do you remember? I do. I think this is when Dav was on, and Dav. Used to do rigorous homework for he the did. pod, which you and I 
never did. <laughs> no, I think we said we were we were we should we needed to do some more homework yeah. and we didn't. So yeah, maybe we should. Yeah, seven should, years on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We should, or, or we should just get Dav back on. We should get Dav back on. Um, and yeah, the you know it was it was not pretty reading then. It's got worse since, isn't it? And it it isn't going to get better, is it? Um, and so yeah, I I just, it's, it, they're in it's it's beyond fragile. Yeah. The, the game there is on, on a, to put a positive spin on it that that's the time when you can make change yeah because it, if you don't change then it's going to go um you know does it go to 10 9 8 what happened you know how, how many how many what, what do we end up with you know eight clubs then six we can make some big changes maybe bring in some other sides well let, let's talk about that because i did a bit of um Sketching on the back of a fag packet earlier in this week, once this kind of 10-team premiership idea was mooted, because a couple of the articles uh, yeah, kind of seem to all hinge around a few interviews, one with Rob Baxter, one with Simon Massey-Taylor, that I think is the CEO of Premiership Rugby. And that kind of not only mentioned a 10-team premiership, but a properly funded second-tier premiership as well. And that, that did get me thinking, because is there... A, we can't go on in Wales. Realistically, anyone who's involved with Welsh club rugby will be looking at this league and thinking it's just not generating any interest. I know that it's paying the bit. Well, in theory, paying the bills. It's, it's keeping the clubs in existence for the for the time being, and the South African broadcast money brings a, an additional amount of revenue. But in the long term, you're never going to grow the game with this league because it's just a, a mishmash of teams that don't belong in the same league. Now, we said before an Anglo-Welsh or a, a, a perhaps a British and Irish league conjures up the imagination a bit more but looking at that two-tier that kind of two-tier premiership thing I would take right now if all four of those regions were parachuted into the second tier just with an opportunity to play against uh, to play against the uh, the top tier premiership sides mm. yeah well and, and also that would probably work that would work for you it work it work for the premiership wouldn't it and it would also work for for us, well, if I, I can say yeah. us and them. Yeah. Because I think that's important, isn't it? It can't be quite a lot. If we look at the Welsh, if we look at the Welsh league, then a lot of these things that happen, they don't seem to benefit all parties. Yeah. And and I think that's key moving forward. It's got to it's got to work for for everyone, and be longer term. Everything is everything's been so short term yeah. for 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 year after year, and this. Could this be an opportunity to look, you know, look look forward like a 15, 20 year plan? The problem is that everything, because the, because financially it's so so tight mm. that you can't even look beyond surviving almost month by month. But that's the prob- That's the problem, isn't it? This is the problem. Is there is not enough money in the game to pay the players what they're, you know, kind of what they're remunerated right now. And that's hence the you know the salary cap in in England coming down, and you know it's crazy that there was there was not thoughts that it was supposed to go up by one point five million next season. There's no way in hell that's going to happen now, surely. But there is there has to be a realization that look this this money isn't there right now, and we need to figure out a way of actually creating enough of an enough of a, an economy in rugby to sustain those clubs. We we said it before. the The thing for English sides has always been, well, they don't they don't need us. They don't need our sides, and they kind of don't. But financially, they probably always have done. You know, there's there is the opportunity to grow something a bit bigger here, and if you need a two tier system, 
there's not enough teams in the championship who can who could raise the money to be able to do it. I, you know, I had a look at this and thought, okay, we know that Ealing have got money again, benefactor money, like mm. Bath, like Saracens, like uh, like Worcester, like Exeter. You know, it was all built on on benefactor money. And when that benefactor goes, as Worcester we've seen, and the clubs end up in the hands of the wrong people, then they can go pop. So. To go back to that point, yes, Ealing are in there. Obviously, Cornish Pirates and Doncaster have been the other sides who've been uh, who've been kind of close to close to getting promotion and haven't for for those kind of various stipulations around the around the ground and stuff like that. But other than that, what have you got? Jersey, maybe. There's not. There's you know, and then and then you've got Wasps and, and Worcester into the mix. You're still a few sides short. Of being able to create something, you know, meaningful second tier because you can't ask Richmond and London Irish to then suddenly have a, a fully professional second tier unless it's going to get funded by the RFU or or Premiership Rugby. So, to me, that feels like there is an opportunity whereby you would have four sides wherever they get placed, four sides that that bring some more money into the into that second tier. And you see it happening there realistically. It's a great question. I. You know, without and this is this is where it comes back to me sketching on the back of a fag packet versus knowing the ins and outs of the of the contractuals with the um, with the URC. Can I see it happening? I think they have to explore every possible route for it happening. This is the you know it's the first time really that those cracks in the in the financial game in England have have become exposed. And I'm not saying that dropping the Welsh teams in is the answer, but could a two tier Premiership be the answer? The problem that the problem that Premiership Rugby has had is that the same sides go up and down every mm-hmm. single year, right? The only side, the only exception to that is, you know, Exeter is obviously the example that's mooted, but that was two thousand and nine they yeah. went up. After that, the last side, the last new side to get promoted to the uh, to the English Premiership, do you know who it was? No, London Welsh, and we all know what happened there. Yeah. So you know, the, it the, almost feels like that was that was you know, that was a different world. Yeah, it does. That's how long ago. That's how long ago yeah. it was. Yeah, so you know, it's and then after that, you've got you know, London Irish go down, they come back up. You've got whoever else did the same. Newcastle did the same thing. So, you know, there's got to be a there's got to be a better solution. I I feel like there is something there, as always, though, Dan. When you say will it happen, self interest is often the thing that that gets in the way. If you're CEO of I don't know, of picking a side at random, Newcastle. Is that is that in your interest or is it not? You know, if, or if you're CEO at Harlequins, is that in your interest or not? Harlequins, you know, you've kind of, again, you, someone writes a big check for you at the at the end of the season. Is that is that in your interest to kind of relinquish the power? I don't know. If ever there the was is, a time for be, change, it'd be. But now. it could be. It, it almost is, though, isn't it? Because even even those clubs that say could, you know, could continue in the same, the same way for, you know, for a period of time. That period of time is quite short still. Yeah. Because the because the books are so tight, but this is like a sustainability model almost, isn't it? For, for, for the entire league that all, all of the, all of the clubs in England, um, will be affected by Worcester going. Yeah. Um, and, and also wasps. It's, it's, it's really sad. So who's next? And then who's next after that? They almost, they need to, even the ones that are a little bit, you know, in a, in a little bit less precarious position because it's only because cl- it's close. It needs to be looked at. Yeah, and I think I, look, that's that ten team Premiership. I can definitely see happening because you've already got two teams out of there. 
you can have an 11 team premiership or you're actually going to take this opportunity and like we say there may well be another team that that goes quite soon are you going to take that opportunity to say less is more and that's a a quote that has been used by Simon Massey-Taylor in this week there is that realisation I think and he's actually I think he's an administrator who's pretty well respected in the industry and you know creating a sustainable model is something that has to happen this time round and we're both yeah. we're both in the same pot. The English clubs and the Welsh sides are in that same position. The other route is that they look at the RFU becoming more heavily involved, but it's not like they're swimming in money right now either. Yeah. You know they've got they've got debts of their own. They've got the grassroots game. They've got the women's game that needs to be grown. So it's it's really interesting to see where on earth this is going to end. But um, yeah, I don't I don't know what the answer is. But for the first time, it does feel like there is grounds for us to be looking at this as a, as a potential solution for for the Welsh side quite what that means for the for the URC I don't know mm. yeah the Irish well the South Africans if you were you know, Scots yeah if you were the Irish um, you know the Irish Union and that's that league was then kind of shorn of the the Welsh sides would you be looking at uh, some kind of British and Irish thing as a as a proper you know, as a proper uh, solution, or would you be thinking we'll play in the we'll play in the URC with a few less sides in there? There's got there's just got to be less rugby played and more meaningful rugby played. That's the thing that we've got to get to that we can all that we can all get behind. Yeah, if we can get behind it, it's got a chance, isn't it? That's and another. We're all we're all, we're, all, we're, all, we're jealous. We're massively jealous of, of what England have got. We are. Yeah. You know, we we we're desperate to have a bit of that. Ireland are. You know, we say they're happy with how it is. Are they really, though? You know, they, they get success, but are they really, you know, is it great for them? I, 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 I question it, whether, mm. whether it is. You know, I know winning is important, but to get behind something is that, that's got emotion and, and, and real passion, I think is, um, you know, you could, you could say is almost better than winning. You know, to get behind that, and if your side loses, but you've given everything, it's a it's a proper experience. That's what we're lacking. That's why we get excited when we talk like this because mm. it just it just isn't there. I just that yeah. <laughs> I just feel that the the disparate nature of the of the URC means that okay, it's fine. You know, Leinster do a great job of of hosting games, and you know whether it's the the Lions at home on a Friday night, people go and watch it because Dublin's a you know is a well-populated city that was hugely successful side there and people want to go and watch it but would they be more excited about having a fixture against let's say a london irish oh. or a gloucester or a saracens in a you know in some kind of league fixture they absolutely would and we'd like watching that and they're not neither of those are our sides yeah that to me kind of says it all It'd be, it'd be great. Yeah. The question then is, can you get enough people who don't currently watch club rugby to get involved with that? Well, look, it would be a damn sight easier to do that than you are ever going to have getting some... You know, I've got, I got lots of people, lots of my mates who love rugby, like love it when the Six Nations is on, love it when the Autumn Internationals are on, but they never, ever think to, to watch a Premiership game or what, and certainly not a URC game. You know, how do you get people to... How do you get people to, to switch over? Again, like Yestin, you know, of this, formerly of this parish for a very long time. I spoke to Yestin at the start of the season and he said, I'm struggling to make the time to, to watch these games. You know, he's like, I've only got a limited amount of time in my life. And do I want to spend it watching mm. watching Cardiff versus the Lions or, you know, Dragons versus 
versus Ulster, and it's like, well, no, not really. In a in a meaningless competition. Yeah, we've all we've all our time. We're all sort of time poor, aren't we? We're stretched. We're un, we're under pressure because we don't have as much time as as maybe there was you know there was before for whatever reasons that, that is. And you, I love that. You you you've said this quite a few times over the years that when you try and explain the league to mm. to, to your wife, you can't. Um, well, you you know you try to, and I think you do explain things well. But it doesn't it doesn't you know if you do get it across, then but that doesn't it sounds it doesn't odd. Sense, or yeah. Sound, yeah, it doesn't make sense. And if it doesn't make sense, then it isn't going to be you know it isn't going to be a fantastic product, is it? And that what we just mentioned there in terms of how you know what what could be done, it makes sense. And then audiences can come behind. I mean, that's your world, not mine. But you've always said if it makes sense, people can get behind yeah. it. And if it makes sense, you can bring emotion into it. And we need it's emotion that drives sales, and and drives, um, you know, drives reactions and gets pe- you know gets people to to engage, doesn't it? But also, it's simple. You know, putting the the marketing hat on, right? It's a simple solution that people want. Right, so if you've got a headache, Dan, and you see an advert that says, "Take busy day, got a headache, take Panadol, get back to what you were trying to do." Right, that's a really simple thing. It's like, right, I'm going to take that Panadol because I've got a headache, but I can't afford to have the day off work, so that solves a problem for me. Right, that's a real simple marketing proposition. What bloody problem does uh, does the URC solve apart from extracting a few quid from idiots like you and me, who go, right, well, this is you know, this is this is the sport for us. That pool is dwindling. How do you create something that is shiny and exciting to someone that says, I want to spend my time with this? And, and the URC is never going to be the answer. It's never going to be popular in Wales. It's only popular in Ireland because it works for the overall success of the national side. The English Premiership is different because it's founded on traditional club rivalries. We know that the finances haven't been able to make sense, so there's an opportunity to reset that. But can you create a product that it's going to get a lot more people interested in rugby. You know, maybe maybe we're just looking at this through a complete fantasy lens again. But if ever there was an opportunity to explore it, it's now. I yeah, I, I just don't think we are. I think mm. I think there is now is now is the time. With it being so fragile in England, England can have a re, can have a really good look at it. They're the ones that can say, you know, probably yay or nay. Mm. You know, aren't they? They hold the keys, and it would and it would be. It should at least be really, really explored. Mm. And I did. I did look on the same fag packet. I was a metaphorical fag packet. I don't smoke, but oh, is it um, a packet of Rothmans. <laughs> packet of, yeah, there's a reference you haven't had for a while. Yeah, <laughs> packet of Rothmans. And yeah, I did have a look at another couple of scenarios whereby you looked at a British and Irish league. There's a couple of ways you could cut that too. You could have a two a two tiered system. I suppose the danger with that is that you could still end up with quite a few slightly iffy fixtures in there that, that perhaps aren't quite as meaningful. Well, the other thing is you could split it into like a Wales, the West and Midlands conference and then you have a Ireland, Scotland and London conference. Again, within that, you know, you look at the, you look at the fixture list and you could very easily have Ulster versus London Irish. You could have, um, you know, Len- Leinster versus Glasgow, for example. That's still not a bad fixture, is it? Mm. You know, so there's, there, there are a couple of different ways of cutting it. Again, this is looking at it through you know through idealistic eyes without the the mess that is surrounded by it but to me this is the situation where you've got to take a step back and go look are we going to create something genuinely interesting or are we just going to paper yeah. over the cracks and hope to and hope to get through for another couple of seasons yeah to, i i think that 
you know, idealistic, optimistic eyes. It's now you can dream now because it's because it's so fragile. Dream up some ideas, you know, get get excited, and then start stripping them back and looking at what actually is feasible and could and could be done. Will that happen? Probably not. But I, I'd like I'd like I'd like it I'd like to see it. Yeah. Right. Let's uh, move back to on the pitch matters. As we said, Wayne Pivak names his squad next week. I think it's next week. Anyway, again, we need to do yeah. that homework, don't we? Um, I'm pretty sure it is, but. What players are you? Would you really like to see in that side? Dan? a few players who you, you know, you're, you're desperate to see in that in that world squad. We were speaking about him earlier, Nicky Smith. Yeah, I think that he's been he's been in outstanding form for years, mm. not a year, years. And I'm really surprised that we haven't we haven't seen him. He, I think, early on in his career, there were as there always is with props, there were question marks over his scrummaging. Yeah. How can you, you know, you need you need to learn the trade, don't you? His scrummaging's excellent. Yeah. And he, we know how good he is in the loose. He jackals really well. He, he, he has got like a back row kind of physique. And when he gets over the ball, he causes, you know, if you're isolated, you don't want Nicky Smith over the top. No. And he, can, he, he carries well as well. Mm. He's got that knack of spinning out, spinning out of tackles. I, you know, is that, is that the question mark that he gets isolated and then there's a turnover? But watching it, he doesn't, Mm-hmm. The, the players are around him. They, they, they can. They, you know, we know what he's going to do. So his players will know what he's got to do. It's just, it's just, you know, for the opposition, it's still difficult to stop. So he's somebody I'd like to see. I think we've now got an opportunity. We're probably going to see somebody at ten because of the injury. Uh, the potential injuries there. Yeah, I think bigger. I think bigger will be all right. He's always Hope, all right. Isn't yeah, he? he's always all right. Touch wood. Yeah, it does feel like we had this before every single. Every single campaign that Dan Bigger off against someone, yeah. and yeah, I, th- I think that the news with him is generally okay. Uh, obviously, Anscombe hasn't been seen since going off uh, a fortnight ago, so hopefully, again, there's you know, there's a there's better news to come there. Who would you like to see then as that kind of? Let, let, even let's assume that both of them are fit. Who do you want to see as that other, the other fly half in that squad? Dan, I feel Costello needs to be given a chance. I think he's he's played. In a, Scarlets haven't gone well, but I think he's played well in parts. Not perfect at all, but I think he's he's, he's shown enough to be given to be given a, a go. And we need to see we need to see him at a, a, a international level. I, I I think autumn is the time. Yeah, yeah. We know we know bigger isn't going to go isn't going to go on forever as much as I want really want him to. And the same for Anscombe. Mm. You know, there. You know, so he he he's somebody. Jared is always talked about, isn't he? We know Pivak doesn't fancy him, and you know in those big, in those big games where there's key moments, he, for whatever reason, he's he, the, the game tends to move away from him, or there's, there's he, is a, he, is, many he is still a bit of a in a very professional um, and prescribed era. He is a bit of a maverick ten, isn't he? In an era that relies a lot more on game management, and I think that's what Pivak's kind of concern is. He's not. I don't think he's been in sparkling form. He had a good game, you know, showed that that brilliance for to put Thomas Young away for the try yesterday. But I don't think he's been in spectacular form. And I think in order for Pivak to have a look at him, he would have to be tearing up trees. So I think it's almost a, you know, it's academic. I think he's way down the list for Pivak. I I, I agree. Yeah, I agree. Um, Jack Morgan. 
God, where, where, do you, where do you go with these sevens? I suppose the Basham going off yesterday didn't look particularly good. That's a nasty, nasty so that injury. Felt, yeah, that felt like that. Again, we, we don't know at this stage what, the, what length he'll be out for, but that didn't look especially promising. So I suppose there is a bit less competition in that, in that seven berth. But you would expect, you would expect Tommy Raffle as the, the incumbent to be in that squad. Thomas Young is probably battering down the door. I think Thomas, Tom, Thomas Young. I think we need to see him during this autumn. He he was he was so good. I really do think that uh, for Cardiff mm. yesterday, and I I think it's only fair. That he... how, many, how many sevens can you have in a squad, Dan? I mean, Tipperick surely is a surely is a shoe in. Raffle was the you know was the guy with the shirt in South Africa. That's two, and then you know, can you can you have three sevens in there? Can you then have Jack? Because I think the thing that worked well in South Africa, as we said with Murph a couple of times, there was a balanced back row: Lydia out and out six, Raffle out and out seven, Toby out and out eight. Do you go back to a twin fetcher type scenario, or do you actually go? Do you know what? This is really tough, but Jack Morgan's going to miss out, or or Thomas well, Young is going to miss out. I mean, leadership okay. com- leadership comes into it, doesn't it? But you know, in terms of whether Tipper, do, do we do we leave out, you know, Tipper? Do we let him sort of? He'll I know start seven. He He'll will. He will. Seven. He will. And, and, and he, deservedly, I think. Uh, yeah, absolutely. But you know, moving forward, do we look at you know? Do we look at the autumn playing some of these other other players, looking at different comp? The the, the biggest problem we've got in the in in the Welsh side, I think, is. Um, is the balance. We've mm. got fantastic players, but it's getting that balance right, yeah. isn't it? And that's the balance in the back row. It's the balance in the front row. The second row I think we're you know we're all we're all right, but we have we have made errors there. And then the set and then the, the in the backs is that centre the centre partnership which we've got to get right, which then, you know, brings either imbalance or balance to the, the inside the inside guys and the outside players. Mm. That's the hardest thing for us. I think Pivak has He's definitely as close as he has been to knowing his best 15 right now, I would say. I think those two second rows in Beard and Will Rowlands will start with Alan Wynne-Jones on the bench, which is you know, an amazing, amazing position to be in, but I think they've made those shirts their own. Again, in the back row, there are options, but I think it will be a six, a genuine six, a genuine seven, and a genuine eight. And by six, it's either a Dan Lydia or possibly a Christian's... Uh, pure kind of you know an athlete who's uh who offers something in addition you know that line out work that he does because he's played so much at lock I think uh I don't know I mean he, he's one for me if there's one player I really want to see this autumn it's Christians on the bench or against New Zealand I would probably start Lids but I think the I think we've got a real x-factor player here I got. I think he's a real X factor player. Who he, we need to get him game time. We need to get him game time in a in a red shirt before the World Cup campaign because I honestly think he could be he could be the starting six there. I know he's wearing seven for Exeter, but I think he's at international level certainly to start with. I think six would probably be his best position because look, we know how, we know how poor our line out has been for years. You know some of the stuff that he that he's done in the games I've seen for Exeter this season defensively. And you know, offering you a line-out option, but he's so quick off the floor, you know, to to get up and, and spoil ball. And then when you add into the the mix that you've got Rollins and Beard, who are both strong when it comes to line-out jumping, Tipperick, Falatau, also options. 
that to me, I think, I'm not saying that you just pack it with loads of different options, but you've got players in there who are really accomplished line-out operators. So to me, he's I, I, whether you throw him in against New Zealand or not, I think all comes down to what he's like as a character and whether he'd be phased or not. My gut says he probably wouldn't, but perhaps that's the one where you start Lydia and, and after that you, you have a real good look at him. But for me, he needs to get some good game time at international rugby. Yeah, he's definitely a real prospect, isn't he? And our line-out, having as many line-out options as possible is going to help us because our line-out has been, we've had issues there, mm. haven't we? You know, perennial issues for, for, for you know for years. It it, fo- it goes well for a yeah. period, then it goes wandering for 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 two years on end. For, yeah, for for a longer period. And that's when we start talking about parachuting in a line-out consultant yeah. and being genuine about yeah. it, don't we? Um, but that doesn't happen. But it's hard to look past Lydia, isn't it? Because he get that that balance when he's there, it gives you we. I feel confident, and the players around him must feel so confident because you just know exactly what he's going to do. Uh, and I don't think players, I don't think teams want to face him. And we asked, uh, we asked uh, a certain former Wales head coach this morning who knows a thing or two about selection, which of the current crop of players he would be most excited about picking if he was in charge. And what was his answer? Lydia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it I, says I it, all. it does, yeah, I think yeah. it does say that how, and fair play to Lydia, he has added more to his game and the ball carrying element, but the the thing that the thing that is fascinating i'm i'm not writing him off at all because he is so aggressive in the defence and again when we've when we've spoken to other players who played with and against him they say they're genuinely scared when they're playing against him because he's because he's he hits you so hard and you know it's not like just a, you know a hit in the in the chest it's like round the ankles and round the knees he's just so aggressive in defence that it does offer it does offer a great opportunity for for turnovers so I would expect him to start against New Zealand, and let's be honest, he's not going to let you down, is he? No, oh, no, no, he never does. And his leadership qualities as well, which, 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 which will be key. So yeah, I'd, I'd, for me, he he would definitely get the nod against New Zealand, and yeah, then we've got some, then we, then we can maybe change things up a little bit, you know, during that autumn autumn campaign. And it's weird, isn't it? Where his point of difference is something that you think, well, surely that's what most players yeah. can do. Well, yeah, but he does it but so not, well. But not like he can. Yeah. And it's that's his point of difference, isn't it? And he is time and time again, over and over again, just and he loves it, doesn't he? That yeah. smile on his face, right? You're coming down my channel, chop, yeah. and it and and it, and it hurts every single time. It does. Right. Well, yeah. Not too long to to find out who's uh, who's in that squad, and we'll be reacting to that. Hopefully, Dan, it's not going to be this long before we have you on the podcast again and yeah we'll get some get some good uh, face-to-face pods over the over the autumn managing your game yeah. time as usual that's it yeah I'm looking forward to coming down here again and yeah we'll we'll identify one of those autumn games sure sounds good to me uh thank you very much indeed Dan thank you to everyone for listening uh if you haven't had a chance to listen to our special with Scott Otten from midweek uh, I'd recommend you do that. Really, really interesting chat with Scott about his uh, about his mental health struggles post hanging up the boots. And uh, a big thank you to him for doing that. And as always, a thanks to to him for sponsoring the podcast uh, as uh, yeah as our sponsor with his with his coffee brand, So Coffee Trades. So yeah, if you want to support them and, and get some great quality coffee, you can do that at SoCoffeeTrades.co.uk. But we will be back to chat rugby with you very very soon. Right, thanks for listening.
Social Podcast Network.